0: What's up, guys? Pastor Josh here, Agape Center Ministries. So, I'm doing a sermon recap from this last Sunday at Agape Center. We actually had the gathering at our home. It was a wonderful time, food and fellowship. Did the message out in the backyard. I did not record it um, live on uh, or during the, the the actual service. So, um, I did want to jump on here. It is Thursday, and I'm a little late with it, but wanted to make sure that I get it out there very fruitful uh, message very fruitful book I think very uh, convicting and uh, an awesome book in 1st John and just you know helping affirm I guess within us uh, how we know that we know God and as I spoke to the church on Sunday this isn't a book for us to read as, as a sense of maybe like uh, condemnation or anything like that but once again a book of affirmation I'm a book for you and I to go through to go, okay, do we know God the way that we really um, should know God? And if we don't, these are things that we are called to um, go to Him for. These are things that, that we may have in our lives that we're called to repent from, turn away from, and ask for His forgiveness. As we're reminded in uh, the first chapter that He's just and faithful in forgiving those who ask for forgiveness and He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So it's a, it's an amazing book just speaking about um, us as Christians, the, the key identifier, the key fruit for us is, is God's children, which is love, and that we love because God loved us first. And um, we can miss that mark, and, and we so often do in, in our everyday lives, especially in the times that we live in today. Um, it is it is very difficult, we find, to to love others as God has loved us. But Um, It is only through the the power and strength of of the Holy Spirit in us, of God in us, that we're able to love like that. But um, this is a a day-in, day-out faith. This is not something that um, you are are called to just be one and done, where you've made a decision at some point in your life, and and now you're good. Um, The the decision is a component, but there's a devotion that comes along with that decision. And, you know, I I covered three things that I, I feel like are are something that is a baseline baseline identifier a baseline uh, criteria that all Christians should meet. And that is, uh, first and foremost, that you believe in the love of the Father, that you believe in his faithful word. Uh, the second thing is, is you believe in the acts of the Son. Um, so you believe in the acts of Jesus Christ. You believe in the gospel um, that he bore our sin, lived a sinless life, um, died on the cross, and then rose again on the third day to justify us, to make us righteous with God the Father. And then you believe in the testimony of the Holy Spirit in us. So you believe in that regeneration. You believe in that heart of stone being turned into a heart of flesh. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives in you. um, Making you a brand new creation. Sanctifying you. Perfecting you. Making you more and more like Christ. Coming into and making you more and more into His image. And that is for the world to see. And that is for you to show God to people so then they may know god so they then can be saved as well Um, that is our purpose that is our our, uh that is our calling as christians and we live in a time where people struggle with that people want to you know want to they want to figure out what is it i'm supposed to do am i supposed to you know i feel like i'm supposed to be on this big platform or do this big amazing thing for god god doesn't need our help you know what i mean god does not need you and i to be anything spectacular in regards to the ways of the world to get people to know him he just needs for us to be faithful he needs for us to trust in his faithfulness and trust in his trustworthiness um, because everything that you and i are is because of our abidement in christ our our freedom our our victory that's because christ is victorious that's because christ's blood has freed us and then whoever um, the Son says "Is free is free indeed. And He says that you and I are free. We are free from the bondage and slavery of sin. We are free from judgment. Um, and we are lavish with God's love. And that's good news That for us as Christians that we need to, to, to remind ourselves of daily that we need to be in the Word. We need to be in fellowship. We need to be in prayer. Um, we need to, to be in church every week. This is the components and the significance um, and, the, and the means of grace in which God has given you and I in our day and our daily lives and sometimes we lose sight of that with all the the chaos and the craziness going on in the world but the world is the world and we can't be surprised at that we can't be uh we can't be angry with that we have our, our marching orders and that is to live lives to give God glory and do that when in whatever fashion whatever place whatever job profession we're in um we are Christians and we bear the name of Jesus and that is that's what we're called to do so um, you know I I also mentioned that the the Christian repents the Christian um, the the Christian believes the and the the Christian perseveres through life so these these are things that that are important so um, I'll say that again the re, the Christian repents the Christian believes and the Christian obeys I forgot that one because that's big and then the Christian perseveres that is what we're called to do as Christians and as we will read and and we've covered in 1st John especially here in chapter 5 that the best way to spell love is obey obey that that the love for God is actually our obedience to him and us following his commands but those commands are not burdensome as we're going to cover here in in a couple minutes so um, with all that remember the context of 1st John as we've covered in the past couple weeks um, that this is John speaking to um, some heresies that are going around into a group of churches, um, one primarily that is saying that, you know, Jesus, you know, he he died, and then there was no physical or bodily resurrection. It was just a spiritual resurrection, and that there were these these different ways and channels in which the people could kind of go through through this special and secret knowledge to come to God the Father. And uh, John is wanting to refute that teaching. And in that, though, what, it's, what stemmed from that, that heresy was, was that people um, could kind of give their flesh whatever it is that they wanted to give to it. Um, so they, they were practicing sin. And we've read throughout 1 John that Christians don't live in habitual sin. They don't practice sin. They don't willfully sin. Um, that, that they don't sin and not feel a sense of conviction. But there was also a teaching, too, that was a component of, of not sinning and, and making sure that your gardens were, were clear of weeds. But there was you know, no fruit bearing, though, with that. So, the, you know, maybe a hypocrisy was, was built up from that. But we also read, too, that anyone that says that they don't have sin is a liar. And um, Christians sin. That, that, is, that is a, a fact Anyone that tells you otherwise is is contradicting the word of God. So the the Bible tells us that we will slip to sin, um, as we've even read in First John. I write these things to you not that you do sin, but if you do sin, you have an advocate in the Son. So we have to realize and remember that we are still in these uh these sinful bodies, even though we're no longer slaves to it, even though we're not um, condemned or judged by this sin, um, that we will slip to it, and that is the the uh, I guess the the showcase for you and I of how much that we um, still need a savior um, in our everyday lives. And we need to go to him once again, first John one nine and asking for forgiveness and, and, repenting of that sin. But Christians do not live in willful, habitual sin. So um, those are the things that John is approaching and, and discussing. And these are, are the same context too. If you even look in the book of John, I believe even if you look in um, Colossians and Ephesians, I mean, Paul's writings this is the same context so if you don't have that context or that background you really can't comprehend those books and understand what's being said context is important Um, testing what you hear is important testing what you read is important so i ask you guys to do the same thing if you're listening to this message as i will go through here pretty quickly and reading this final chapter i ask that you test away the things that i speak and that i preach and teach as i as i um, ask my my flock to do when i preach every sunday so Starting off here in chapter Five, Everyone who believes that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. And I love that right out the gate, everyone. So this is not an elite group. This is not any special group. This is everyone who believes. Um, and I last I checked you and I, we we fall under that group of everyone. okay? So that is this assuring news for you and I, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed One, the sent one is born of God and everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. There's some play on this especially if you have the King James Version people will sit there and say okay is when he's speaking of his child is he speaking of Christ or is he speaking of the Christian and the answer to that is yes and I I love saying that because if you think about it does it really matter. We know through the word that if we If we um, believe these things, we believe Jesus is the Christ, born of God, and everyone who loves the Father, that we love Christ. But guess what? We also love our brothers and sisters in the faith as well. So that word child, you know, if it be used as him in in the King James Version, it really doesn't matter if it's a Christian or if it's Christ. We we love both. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his command. So once again, the word love spelled O-B-E-Y, obey. In fact, this is the love for God to keep His commands. So, it's again, the Christian keeps God's commands. There is a, a not this willful want to sin to stray away from commands, but there's a desire, as we read in the Psalms, um, this this freedom to walk in the precepts of God. And you know, I sit there and say that you know these commands are 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 not ones of burden and as we go on here in verse 3 it says in fact this is love for God to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome for everyone born of God overcomes the world you look at Jeremiah 31 verses 31 through 34 where he's speaking about how there will be a day that he will write his laws and commandments on the heart of his people and that no one will have to say you need to know the Lord and that he will forgive them of their wickedness and their unrighteousness this is what he is talking about, that you and I, through our new birth, our new life in Christ, that we are given a heart that works in harmony um, with, with God and His desires and His commands. Even though we struggle with sin, that the Holy Spirit in us, the new heart in us, sees these commands, not as a burden, but as freedom. And uh, as I recited to the church, and one of my favorite uh, sayings is, "Is that To work in toil is what the law commands, but it neither gave us feet nor hands sweeter news the gospel brings it bids us to fly and gives us wings Um, the gospel is not burdensome the gospel gives you and I the freedom to obey God without this sense of of strife and burdensome and we read in Matthew right where Jesus himself says you know follow me who all those who are are weary and burdened for my yoke is easy and my burden is light this is what he is talking about so um and he says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Once again, we read this where Jesus says, You will, f- you will face tribulations. You will f- face trials from the world. But take heart. I have overcome the world. But because of our abidement in Christ, Him being the victor, we too are victors because we are in Him and with Him. So we too have overcome the world. And we read in John 3.16 where it says, that, For God so loved the world, that is being spoken about as, as people, as creations. But when he's speaking about world here, he's basically just speaking about every entity, every development, um, organization, group, thing that is outside of the church, outside of the physical church, you and I. Um, so I, I made a point to stress to the, the, the gathering this Sunday that this is why I don't feel like Christianity can be used as this um, structural... Um, institutionalized component. Christianity is a personable thing. It is a heart change. It is a relationship with the Almighty God. That is our religion, if you will. It's a religion of relationship with the one true God. So it goes on to say, this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So once again, we are victors because Jesus is the victor. We abide in him. Turn the page here. It goes on to say, Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So we're seeing this cyclical pattern, this repeat that John is wanting to emphasize. It's it's those who believe in Jesus the, as, as the, the Messiah. Jesus as the Anointed One. Jesus being sent by God. Jesus being God and deity and flesh. So, Once again, he's wanting to really hit home with those um, heretical teachings that are going on about Jesus just simply, you know, being born, living a life of of, um, no sin, being baptized, and then the Holy Spirit coming upon him, him being obedient, going to the cross, dying on the cross, but still physically being dead, the body being dead, because there's this belief that flesh is evil and wicked. So a good God would not have anything to do with nasty wicked flesh because flesh is matter and God wouldn't do that so when the resurrection took place it was just spirit not body and this is gutting the gospel okay this is gutting what you and I know to believe in the hope that we have to live that we too will be physically resurrected um, with Christ so John is wanting to really really hit this home by saying Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, speaking of deity, speaking of resurrection. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. And I want to stress this as I did the churches. This is my personal take based on what I've studied, even reading other commentaries as well, but even lining it up with other parallel passages in the Word. I believe this to be when speaking of the water, not baptism, but water meaning birth. Okay, And then blood here in the Greek is actually making reference to bloodshed and sacrifice. And this, once again, is speaking about Jesus coming into the world um, in the flesh. Okay, Being born of a virgin, going through that whole you know, pregnancy process, being developed in Mary's womb, all of that being pushed through the birth water, the birth process coming into the world as flesh. Um, But then the blood component, the sacrifice component, we know is a part of all of this. This is a part of the process of, of the gospel, part of the process of salvation, of life. We know that the blood of Jesus brought life. And so often we think blood is a signifier of death, but blood is actually a signifier of life. So it says, this is the one who came by water and blood. So coming, being born of flesh and sacrificing himself jesus christ he did not come by water only but by water and blood so he didn't just come into the world in the flesh but he also died in the flesh as well sacrifice for you and i and it is the spirit who testifies because the spirit is the truth now remember as i said earlier it is the spirit that rose jesus from the dead so the same spirit the same power did that it's the same spirit that lives in you and i holy spirit was the testifier to that truth by raising christ from the dead showing his deity um, showing that his sacrifice was perfect and that we are justified through that sacrifice because jesus knew no sin therefore death could not hold him that is how and why he was resurrected so it is by the spirit who testifies because the spirit is truth for there are three that testify this is making reference to when you read in uh, Deuteronomy, in the old Jewish law, you had to have three, two or three witnesses okay, to, uh, to um, make a testimony, to, to make a case for something. So if someone was going to be put to death for wrongful doing, you had to have two or three people there to testify. So um, John knows in writing this that there are three that testify. And I actually want to backtrack because technically John did not write this. And I did stress this to the church. This was actually a text that was added in about 800 to a thousand years later um into the canon the canonized bible so when we read this people might sit there and go well why was it added why was it put in there i believe on my opinion that it was just put in there because the person really just wanted to stress the truth of what was already being spoken about about jesus being born of the flesh sacrificed his blood being you know poured out for you and I and the Holy Spirit testifying to that truth through the resurrection. by this uh, the person that added this in there, the three that testify was just once again hitting home to those maybe reading that are of a Jewish audience that this was something to just kind of uh, solidify and to hit home the truthfulness of this, that there were three witnesses. And what were those three witnesses? Um, they of course were the blood, the spirit, and the water. So in some Bible translations it says the word, Whatever it was making reference to the component and and I did hit on this a little bit, and I'll do it in in this message as well. I know a lot of people like to use the whole uh phrase out of out of Matthew, I believe it's Matthew eleven um where two or three are gathered. I am there. This is not making reference to um an excuse to not go to the gathering to go to church. This is making reference to once again church discipline um this is Jesus giving a teaching that. If a brother or sister do you wrong in the church, you go to that person. If that person turns you away, you go and you grab two or three witnesses. Go to that person again. If they turn you away, you go to the church. You present it to the church. If the person still does not repent, still accept, or, or even discuss what's going on, then you as a church have every reason to not have anything to do with them. Um, in return, I guess, you, you basically excommunicate them from the church. You remove them from the body break fellowship with them so that passage where two or three are gathered I am there that is speaking about Jesus his spirit um, the the spirit of forbearance being there being loving in regards to that you're giving this person three four chances to uh, to make things right many more chances than what you and I can do in the flesh of things so if a person tells you well I don't need to go to church because it's where two or three are gathered he is there and I have coffee that is not what that passage means so you know correct them in love if you will don't be snarky about it um, but do let them know that context is important and that passage does not mean that in context verse 9 we accept human testimony but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which is he has given about his son so people can come and speak about and say well I believe this because of this and that and all that these teachers did that there's still teachers today that do that I feel like God has said this to me Whatever, all those things we believe in God's testimony because his testimony is greater because he's God so God's word testifies to this the Holy Spirit you say that you feel the Holy Spirit is telling you something the Holy Spirit will never contradict what the word of God says and a lot of people don't practice that. And a lot of people, and I say this once again in love, a lot of people have ignorance to the Word of God to where they're not able to have discernment of not only things going on in the world, but also things that they feel like that maybe they're getting from God, which once again, when we look back, I believe it was in the previous chapter, chapter 4, that we're called to test every spirit, every spirit. And this isn't speaking about the gift of discernment as spoken about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I think it's verse 10. There's individuals in the body that have that gift to discern spirits, but this is talking about a responsibility that you and I have as Christians. That when we hear someone speak the Word of God, when we hear someone teach the Word of God, that we test and weigh what's being spoken. And we don't do it to find wrongdoing. We don't do it to condemn. We do it to affirm what is being said. So I do love when pastors say and i try to make it a practice myself to test and weigh what it is that's being spoken because they take what's being spoken seriously and they know the accountability that they have as being a teacher and a preacher of the word Um, so they're not taking and twisting it into their own ways so um it says i'll start here on verse i'll continue on here it says we accept human testimony but god's testimony is greater because it's the testimony of god which he has given about his Son. So remember, Jesus is baptized. This is my Son, who I am well pleased. Um, it is all affirmed through the Word. It is affirmed through the Holy Spirit. It is affirmed through the, the, the water, the blood. Uh, this testimony of God has given, which we then have now f- and for our benefit and our teaching in the Word. So verse 10, Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Once again, this word believes is important. I spoke about it last week. This word confess even. This is a a word that has feet to it, a word that has emotion, a word that has action to it, fruit to it. It isn't just simply words that you just say, I believe. It is something about a public testimony, even a public confession. So even people going to church is a public confession of their faith. Um, because church is for the saved church is for the christian so by just sacrificing that time putting yourself in the gathering and fellowship with other believers going to a building whatever you are showing publicly that you are a believer Um, but also in the fruit that we bear it isn't just about going to church of course it's the fruit we bear um, the the way that we live the way that we act matthew 7 once again you will know them by their fruits that is the identifier, the key fruit, love, right? And we read in Galatians 5 that there are attributes to that one fruit, but the fruit is love. That is how people know who we are as uh, children of God. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts his testimony. Whoever does not believe, God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. So this is, it's again, he, you are making God to be a liar if you're the one that doesn't believe in that testimony. And and as we go on here, I'm going to kind of link this up with this next part as well as we're going in. It says, because they have not believed the testimony of God, and this is the testimony, God has given us eternal life and his life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So we know that there is eternal life that is promised for you and I, And those who do not believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior will not have eternal life. They will only know judgment and they will know death. So when people sit there and say that the gospel is inclusive, do I believe that Jesus died for the sins of the entire world? I do. Do I believe that everyone will be saved? I do not. The Bible is exclusive, not inclusive that is something that we have to, to grasp and get because I know that there are other teachings about that going around right now that it's just, you know, you just got to say you believe, you got to say a prayer, whatever, Jesus will forgive you, he loves you, and, and all, that's not what the word says. We know that there is a true biblical confession, a process, a, a, um, a, an identity to those who truly believe in this testimony from God about his son, Verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. I have spoken about this numerous times, that our prayers have stipulations. Okay, That we can't just simply pray and ask for anything that we want. Um, This is a a dangerous thing. I always ask people, could you imagine if God answered all your prayers? It's probably the meanest thing he could have ever done, if that's what you wanted. Um, Because we pray with improper motives. And I've heard people use this, that you don't get because you don't ask. Continue on in that passage in James. It says, but when you do ask, you ask with improper motives. You do have to ask the Lord to guide your prayers, to bend your heart in accordance to his will, you pray in the name of Jesus. That doesn't mean you ask for whatever you want and slap in the name of Jesus at the end of the prayer. It means that you pray in the character of Christ. Okay, Got to remember that in our prayer life. It's important. He hears those prayers. Okay? He hears them. And it's just in the fact that he hears us that we should rejoice and be happy. That the God of creation hears you and I. He hears our voices. He hears our prayers. It's an amazing thing if you just stop and think about it. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray, and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I am not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. Now, I'm going to give you once again. My pastoral opinion on what the sin that leads to death is. This is what I ask the church um, on Sunday. If you sit in your chairs or you're listening to this message and you're concerned and worried if you've committed the sin that leads to death, chances are you have not committed that sin. Okay? So there's the good news. The reason why I put it that way is, is, once again, in context, there's some false teaching going around, some heresies. Individuals that have been presented the truth the Word of God, the complete gospel, the true gospel, yet they've turned their backs to it. Yet they've taken that truth and they've manipulated and twisted it into something that they want to use it for, maybe for their own gain or their own good. They're, they're providing themselves as stumbling blocks for the people that are listening, the little children that Jesus refers to, right? And Jesus says it's better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and be cast into the ocean Than to cause these little ones to stumble. Okay? The one the sin that leads to death is the individual that hears the truth, has been presented the truth, and turns their back to it, or manipulates and skews it into a lie. And we even read about this in Hebrews as well. That you know, what greater insult could you have than than to trample this truth, this mercy, this this news of grace, trample it under your feet like it means nothing. That's a sin that leads to death. And and John's saying. Shouldn't pray about those things, shouldn't pray for those people, why? Because you and I don't change people's hearts. God does right? God will do his bidding with those individuals they've they've heard the truth and all that God in his sovereignty will will work things out in the way that they need to be worked out, okay, but for those who do sin and a sin that doesn't lead to death they they know the gospel, they know the truth, there's conviction on their heart when they sin, all those things, pray for them. God will give them life. Okay, We've read already too that we can have hearts that condemn us, realize and know that God is greater than our hearts. So that is my take on the sin that leads to death. And once again, when you read previously, as I said too, um, it says, whoever believes in the Son of God, this is verse 10 earlier, whoever believes in the Son of God accepts his testimony. Whoever does not believe has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. So once again, What better way to say that this is a sin that leads to death than the one that's heard about the testimony but doesn't believe? Basically calling God a liar. That's a pretty big sin as far as I'm concerned. A sin that I would attest to say that leads to death. Um, Verse 18, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. It's important to remember that you need to be different. That Jesus died for you that grace is free but when you truly accept that news that grace that love and that mercy that it does cost you everything that you are then called to do as Jesus did for you and that is die to self you don't continue to sin you you will slip to sin you will ask the Lord for forgiveness he will forgive because his word says that he will forgive and we have to trust in the faithful word and in that practice and discipline of asking for forgiveness and repenting We actually become more like him and, I believe, begin to sin less. And it says, The one who is born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. This word harm means basically to grab, to hold on to. You as a Christian cannot blame the devil for your sin. The devil can try to trick you. He can try to deceive you. He cannot make you sin. Okay? God, it even says in First Corinthians I believe chapter 10 God will not allow you to be tempted past what you can bear Okay, so you can't say the devil made me do it Okay, the, the, you are a Christian your eyes have been illuminated to the truth of the world the truth of sin scales are no longer there it says that the God of this world has blinded the world to the truth you are not of the world anymore you are of the, the, the set apart the church, the children of God Okay, the devil can't harm you he has no, no power over you You know where he is. You see him. And I use this analogy, and I'll use it again in here in Rocky IV, one of my favorite uh, movie series. Rocky's getting beat up by the Russian. And in the midst of it, he goes back to his corner, and Paulie looks at him and says, what's going on? And Rocky says, I see three of them. And what does Paulie say? Hit the one in the middle. This is what the Holy Spirit does for you and I in the ways of the world. The world wants you to deceive and think that there's really three, but the Holy Spirit gives you and I discernment the enemy in the world even the ways of our flesh that we know where to swing we know where to hit Um, it can't operate in this covert fashion we hit the one in the middle um, as Paulie says to Rocky I love to always include that in there Um, it says we know that we are children of God and the whole world is under the control of the evil one once again parallel passage God of this world has blinded the world to the truth we know that the son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him Who is true? And we are in him who is true by being in the Son of Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. So this closing passage here, okay, we know that the Son of God has come to us and given us understanding. Again, we have understanding. We can't blame it on ignorance. We have no excuse. Those who are professed Christians, Holy Spirit gives us a spirit of truth. I think that's even in first John three. And it says, So that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true by being in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Everything that we have as Christians, every glorious thing, every victory, every sense of freedom, grace, mercy, love, truth, and peace, is because we abide in Jesus Christ. It's because we are in Him, and we share in that glory with Him. Amen. So hopefully you guys find this as a fruitful message. I will upload it. Um, Once again, I ask that you just weigh the things that were spoken. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. God bless you guys.